0: time to look at Ephesians again. Have you been enjoying Ephesians so far? A couple weeks into it, exploring Ephesians. It's time for us to, to, to try to do this to climb higher. Remember I said when we talked about starting this, I wanted us to think of going through Ephesians like this picture depicts. This idea of this, this exploration, this climbing higher, because there's no book in all the Bible. Where you're, where you're going to be challenged more in thinking and trying to... The Apostle Paul, who's maybe one of the most, maybe the most brilliant man outside of Jesus who ever lived, I don't know, but he, he tries to take words and paint pictures of just this incredible life in Christ, what it means. And so to me, when I read Ephesians, I kind of feel like I'm an explorer. I'm climbing these heights and trying to figure these things out. And you know, one of the great things about Christianity is you never figure it all out. Um, you're constantly always, if you're open, and if you're seeking, you're always it's discovering new things. And so when I, when I go through this, you know, i studied Ephesians in college, um, but when I go through this, every time, it feels like there's new, new plateaus that are opened up, new, new heights, and new different things I see that I never saw before. So that's my hope, that, that all of us, that where we're at in our, in our walk with Jesus, that we're going to now climb higher um, in our exploration of the book of Ephesians and we're going to let this letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians, um, that he, remember, he wrote to a group of Christians who are living in a hard situation in the city of Ephesus. We're going to let what he said to those people living in a hard place speak to us. And although we don't necessarily live in a, in a hard place, I think we're living in a place that's getting harder to be a Christian. Um, you know, I, and I don't want to go into it all of it, but Suzanne said, are you going to address the Supreme Court decision? And I said, well, if I would, I'd only address it this way and say, you know what? Um, we live in a place where it's going to become harder to just be openly Christian. Where the society around us is going to, to um, try to squelch that, and they're going, to, they're going to say, you know what, you can live your way, and they don't even say that, they say you've got to live our way. But, but here's the deal, Christianity has always functioned in that society. When Paul wrote to the Ephesians, Christians were killed. They burned them at the stake. They slaughtered them like, like worthless you know, animals in their view. They were enemies of the state. They were enemies of, of Judaism. They killed them. You know what? And Christianity thrived and people lived for Jesus and they loved the Lord. And you can have the Apostle Paul sitting in a, in a different place in, in, the, in, in jail and writing the book of Philippians about consider it joy to live for Jesus. You see, there's something otherworldly. That's we're going to look at a little today. Something otherworldly, something beyond the junk of this world that you get if you really if you really Connect with Christ. My fear is that a lot of times we don't really connect. My fear is that even though I'm not, I'm saying we're truly believers, but we stop short. We don't really climb the heights. We don't, we, we don't put the stuff of the world aside. We we believe lies that that's all there is, and then we just do a Sunday duty and maybe do a devotion or one minute Bible. And we miss climbing the heights that God has for us. So then the things in the world, like the Supreme Court decisions, throw you for a loop and you go, oh my goodness. I looked at Facebook. I hadn't come back. My goodness, I had so many emails when I came back and so many Facebook things and everybody blowing up about the Supreme Court. Now I understand. I think it's terrible. I think it's wrong. I think it's, it's, it's unfortunate. But so I know Jesus is on the throne. We don't have to worry. The worst they can do to you is kill you. And you go to heaven. We're not of this world. Christians, you've got to rise above. And that's what he about. It's about rising above the clamor of this world that we know is full of junk. It's a cesspool. It's marked by sin. It's, it's ravaged by sin. And, and that's why God one day is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And he's going to resurrect your body if you are in Christ. And you're going to live eternally above all this stuff. That's not said. That's that junk's not going to exist anymore. And so as Christians, and one, I think it's perfect that we're in Ephesians. Because at a time when people get a little crazy, like, oh my goodness, we're losing. No, you're not losing anything. You're just recognizing truth. The truth that the world around you doesn't serve Jesus and know him, but that we can walk with him and we can experience him. And you can get, matter of fact, losing the junk of society can help propel you to the heights that God has for you. So here we have Paul writing to people in Ephesus where it was really, really hard, where they wanted, they wanted nothing to do with the things of God. Matter of fact, the silversmith um, in, in Ephesus was so angry because Paul was beating people to Christ that they weren't buying silver that he went on all an all-out assault against Paul and tried to have him imprisoned and killed. And so that's the kind of situation those Christians lived in, and they lived this incredible, overcoming, joy-filled life. And so we can look at what Paul wrote to these Christians who were in a hard situation. And we can try to say, God, how can I also live a Christian, a victorious Christian lives in my circumstance? That may be getting more difficult. Maybe it's very difficult because you're in a marriage situation where we're supposed to want you to serve God. Or you're in a situation where in your employment it's really tough you know, to be a Christian, whatever. But Paul's writing to people who live in a tough situation. He said, you know what? You can be victorious. So today, what we're going to do as we climb is we're going we're to move up past Paul's greeting in verse 1 that we looked at the first week, and we'll move past his hope for all Christians that he talked about in verse 2. We're going to move into a section where Paul uses, at least in my opinion, every descriptive term and image that he seemingly can create in his mind and muster to try to express the blessings that Christians receive from God when they become born again and they're in Christ. You see, in this next section, we're going to start verses 3 through 14. In the original language, original Greek, they're really one long sentence. You talk about an English teacher having a problem with your essay, Paul writes from verse 3 to verse 14, there's not one period in the whole thing. It's one sentence in the original Greek. And Paul writes this whole one long sentence where what he's trying to do, basically, is he's just going on and on and on. He's writing like he's kind of out of control, writing, trying to overwhelm the reader almost with the wonder... Of being in Christ. He wants us to understand that being a Christian is an amazing and an all encompassing thing. That it's something that should grip us and change us and bless us and free us. Free us from all the stuff of the world. Free us from sin. It's not, he's trying to say, listen, friends, it's not just some religious experience. They had lots of that in Ephesus that had nothing to do with Christ. He says, this is something better. It's not just some religion. It's a dynamic relationship with the living God and his life should fill our lives and it should change everything from our old lives and make it brand new. And so now Paul says, I want to explain this. So he just kind of goes on this huge long run-on sentence to explain it. And he starts this long sentence, his discourse, out with a general statement um, about God's blessing to Christians. He kind of says, he says, God blesses you. It's in verse 3. And then he goes on in verses 4 through 14 to give ex- specific examples of how God blesses you. So verse 3 of this long sentence, he goes, God's blessings are like this. And then he's going to give examples of it from verses 4 through 14. So for today, what I want us to do is I'm going to start by looking at that general statement in verse 3, and then in the coming weeks, look at the specific blessings that Paul lists. Now, I really tried, I've got to tell you, I tried to be able to cover more than one verse this week. I honestly did. i said that three weeks in a row. I did everything. Matter of fact, I outlined it. I said, "Here's how I can do it," because people are going to be like Pastor Mark. We're never going to get out of the first paragraph, you know. And I did everything I could, and I couldn't. I was. I couldn't get past one verse um, in this letter. And so I really tried. So forgive me in advance, but you'll. I think you'll. You'll be blessed as we spend. We just park here in Ephesians chapter one. Verse 3. So let's just read that. Ephesians 1.3. Remember, it's a general statement about blessings. And then in the whole rest of the sentence, look, look, go down your scripture all the way to verse 14. See, where verse 15 probably in yours. Like my Bible, my New American Standard, my 15 is bold. It's saying it's a new paragraph. Did you know that? Okay, so it's saying it's a new paragraph. But in the original, in, so verse 3 is bold and verse 15 is bold. And that's saying that's okay. That's 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 one paragraph, but it's actually one sentence uh, in the original. And then in verse three is this general statement about um, the blessings of God. So verse three for today: Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. We're going to stop right there. Verse three. Paul, what's he doing? He blesses, he says, or thanks, or praises God for his blessings. He's saying, I'm blessing you, God, or I'm thanking you, God, for the blessings that you've imparted to people who are your followers. Here, um, he makes some very interesting and important comments about the blessings of God towards his people. And he says that God's blessings are, basically says two things. God's blessings are spiritual blessings in, second thing, in the heavenly places. And let's think about what Paul's saying here because I think this, so this as an ability, this understanding of this. Matter of fact, Dick and I talked about this before church and I said, Dick, what we're talking about is what I'm going to speak about today. And there's a big difference between what the world thinks as blessings and what God offers as blessings. His blessings, he's got something much better for you. He doesn't want you to stop at what the world offers. He wants you to experience what he offers. So he says, the blessings from God are spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. So let's think about what Paul is saying here first. First, he is saying that God has, blessings, has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Now, I think that as people, normal everyday people who work jobs and get paychecks and do things, that we think about blessings a lot. Matter of fact, in the Christian world, I hear people often refer to their blessings and they say things like this. I'm so blessed because I was able to buy a new car. Oh, God bless me, I bought that new car. Or, I, I am so blessed um, because I got that new job I was praying for. Go, that's wonderful. Or they say, you know what, let's hold hands before we eat and say, Lord, we thank you that you've blessed us with this incredible great meal that we're going to eat. Now, all of these things are blessings. And they ultimately do come from the Father. Scripture says that every good gift is from the Father. So these physical blessings are real. And they are from God. But here's what I want you to understand. They are not particularly uniquely Christian, the blessings. You see, many non-Christians and atheists and agnostics and people who serve other, other gods ate a good meal this morning. And they drove in a new car. Matter of fact, maybe a nicer car than some of us drove in because they did not take the resources they had and use them to be abundant and a blessing towards the things of God. So they used the money that could have been used for something that was a blessing for God and they used it to buy themselves a brand shining new car. you know. And they have the blessing of a nice job. See, Scripture says... That God causes the rain to fall on the good and the bad, the righteous and the non-righteous. That his blessings in a general sense extend to all of humanity. However, in this instance, where we're reading in Ephesians, Paul is talking about something different than that. He's talking about blessings that are uniquely and specifically Christians. Christian. Blessings that come to us only because we are. In Christ. And if you're going to look all the way through this verse, this this, this whole section, 3 to 15, 3 to 14, he uses the word in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, over and over. He's saying this is all these specific blessings that come to us only because we are in Christ. Here Paul specifies them as spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. He says the blessings of God to the church are blessings that are Spiritual. Paul is going to go on to list these in the coming verses. He's going to talk about adoption and election and forgiveness and sealing by the Holy Spirit, all these different spiritual blessings. And I think this is so important to remind ourselves of in our very materialistically focused world. Because church, it is so easy to sell our Christian life short and to settle for blessings that are available to all people in the world things like money and things like food, believing that God's blessings are ultimately tied to the size of our bank account or the success of our businesses um, or whatever endeavors we take or the accumulation of stuff. And that is a rampant idea in the evangelical church world. These things are necessary and they are meant for man's consumption and his enjoyment, but they fall short of having us experience the wonder and the greatness of God. Someone can enjoy these things that we talk about, these material things, even without ever even acknowledging that God is real or God is present. I sat in a lake this week and I sat in my boat and I watched loons and I watched eagles and I enjoyed it and I caught fish. But in the boat next to me were people who don't even acknowledge that God is real and they enjoyed eagles and they enjoyed loons and they caught fish. Not as many fish, but they caught fish. But I caught a lot of fish before I was a Christian, too. Someone can enjoy these things even without ever acknowledging that God is real or God is present. But God has spiritual blessings for his children. Spiritual blessings are the real things of life. The things of eternal life. The things that bring real joy and peace and real meaning to our lives. The things that, when we grasp them and we experience them, cause Christians to become a little bit different and maybe even seem kind of strange to the rest of the world around them because they, they, the things that once seemed so important to them, things that were temporary and earthly, those temporal things, those activities, those those accumulations, those things begin to lose their value, or maybe a different way to say it is, they lose the grip that they once had on that person. And you hear those people who are beginning to experience spiritual blessings say kind of strange things to the rest of the world. They say things like, you know what, take the world and give me Jesus. They begin to understand there's something different. Well, Paul is making the point here that when you move past the general blessings of this world and begin to experience the spiritual blessings available in Christ, that you become a bit otherworldly. The material stuff of this world just doesn't satisfy anymore because you have tasted something better and the generic blessings of the world just don't satisfy the way they once did that there's something better um, for us. Now Paul goes on to explain that these spiritual blessings are available to us but they're available in a way that we might not usually think or a location maybe we haven't thought of, that they're available to us, he says, in the heavenly places. All these blessings, spiritual blessings, in the heavenly places. Now, Paul expands that idea a little bit, just one chapter over, in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 2, verse 6. If you look at that, he talks about the same thing, and he says this, that he has raised us up with him, he's talking about us as believers, and he has seated us with him in the heavenly places In Christ Jesus. See, there is a reality, a truth that we must get a hold of here. And I think we often, we don't really get it. I wrestle with it. I'm trying to get better at figuring it out so I can experience it differently. You know, we know something about about Jesus in life. We know that Jesus lived, that he was crucified, that he died, he was buried, he rose from the dead, he ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he's sitting in heaven today. The Bible says, praying for you and me. Right? We have no problem with that. Correct? But here, Paul, while communicating the blessings of being in Christ, tells us an amazing truth. He says, you are seated in heavenly places with Christ also. Right now. You are not limited to this earthly realm anymore. Because you are in Christ, you are also with Him where He is at now. And that's in the heavenly places. You see, we kind of hard to get our mind around that. Now, it's interesting. We don't seem to have a problem thinking about this for those who are our family and friends who have passed away and died before us in Christ. And we believe they're now with Christ in heavenly places. And we go, oh yeah, I, I, I get that. But Paul wants us to understand something. That those deceased people are no more in Christ than we are right now. That the day you said yes to Jesus and repented of your old life, meaning you left it in the dust and began following Jesus as your Lord, and that's what conversion is about. It's not about just praying a prayer. It's about, it's about changing direction, leaving that old life in the dust and now following Jesus as your Lord. That that day you died to this world of law and sin and death and you were born again for eternity Eternity, eternal life, entrance into God's kingdom began at that time. When you were born again, you were seated in heavenly places in Christ. And you say, Pastor Mark, you're nuts. I'm seated in a chair at Portview Church. What's this mean here? I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ. What does it mean? Does it mean that we're not fleshly anymore? That we don't eat or drink. You know how much eating and drinking I did this week? I'm ten pounds heavier than when I left. Does it mean we don't eat and drink and sleep? That we don't work or get sick? Because we're seated in heavenly places in Christ? No, it doesn't mean that yet. Spiritually, you are in Christ. And there's there's a, a reality to that. But your flesh... Is still earthbound. You see, one day, it, your flesh, too, will be redeemed. It will be resurrected, but for now, it's as though you have a foot in two different worlds. And I want you to understand the significance of this because it makes all the difference in the world. This is what makes us different from everyone else. Sure, we are still in the flesh here and now, but we are also seated in heavenly places here and now. So here's what makes a difference. Now, we see and experience things differently. It's like this. I tried to figure out how can I explain this. And I, I really think I have a, a, a word picture that can help you understand it. It's like a man who is walking through a vast, thick forest and he's lost And he's wandering. He has absolutely no idea where he is. The forest is thick. And he does not know where he is and where he's heading. He can't tell east from west or north from south. And even if he did, he didn't know which direction to walk. It's as if he's in an airplane that's crashed into a dense jungle. And he has absolutely no idea where he is or where to go. He's just there in this thick forest. But as he's just wandering through the forest he comes across this huge tree with many branches on it. And he begins to climb up the tree, up and up, until he climbs out of the canopy of the thick forest, and he rises above to where he can now clearly see everything that's around him. He sees the lakes and the rivers. He sees the swamps, those areas to be avoided. He sees the cliffs over there, which could be potential harm, a place for him to fall. And he also sees the field. And he sees on the side of the field is is a city. And he can see through the cutting through the forest is a road that leads from near where he is off to the city and to safety. He is still in the forest. But he is also now above it with a vantage point that allows him to see what's really real. Which way to walk, what things to avoid. Friends, that's it. That's being in Christ in heavenly places. We have the blessing of His vantage point. We see life from what is really real. So guess what? We don't get freaked out when our nation makes the kind of rules that line up with what they really are because they're not in Christ. They're simply living according to what they really believe. We have a different vantage point. We see life for what it really is. We see what's really important and we see what things can lead to harm or to detour or what things could lead to blessing and abundance. Spiritual blessings in heavenly places are those things that lift us above the world. Sure, we still have one foot here in this world for a while because our existence in in this world, in our body, that has been in in a world and a body that have been altered and corrupted by the effects of sin. But we know where we are and where we are heading. Today we don't have to be dragged down by the lies of the world and all the things that make the world scared and confused. We don't have to be limited by the thinking of the world or the values of the world or be afraid of those things. We can see what is true. And we can see the sure promise. We see Jesus is our example. He's seated in heavenly places and we're there with Him. Soon this failing body with all of creation will be redeemed. It will be renewed. New body, new heaven, new earth. That's what we see from the vantage point of sitting with Christ in heavenly places. And church, this makes all the difference in your day-to-day world. Sure, the blessing of that nice new car is nice. I would rather drive a newer car than an older car. I would, unless it's the right older car. A 1953 Corvette convertible would be, I would like to drive that red with white on the sides. I would like that older car I'd like to drive. But sure, the blessing of a nicer car is nice. But that blessing is potentially available to most anyone in our community, Christian or not Christian. And that thing will eventually break down, it will eventually wear out, and it will eventually need to be replaced. A nice blessing, but very limited, very temporary. Not truly satisfying or life-changing or eternal. But spiritual blessings in heavenly places are different things like knowing that you have been adopted as God's child on purpose. That's one of the blessings we'll look at next week. Knowing that you have been adopted as God's child on purpose. Knowing and experiencing this type of blessing will really change and enrich your life. You'll look to sit, sit there no matter what's going on, you say, "I'm chosen by God on purpose." That's unconditional love. I'm adopted into God's family, and now all that the Father has is also mine. Those kinds of thoughts, those kinds of ideas, those kinds of spiritual blessings, when they begin to understand them and they begin to go from here into here, they honestly begin to change your life completely. You feel different, you think different, you're not shaken up, you're amazed at the greatness of God. Seeing these truths from the perspective of heavenly places will change everything about your existence now and throughout all of eternity. These are the blessings that bring about the life more abundantly that were promised in Scripture when we're in Christ. When he says, I'll give you life more abundantly, he's not saying, I'll give you a better car. He's saying, I'll give you something beyond what anybody in this world who doesn't walk in Christ could ever experience. You get abundant life that wells up from the Spirit of God within you, and it changes everything. And friends, the Apostle Paul wants those Ephesians Christians and us to understand what these blessings are, to know what they are, and to experience these blessings for ourselves. Friends, that's what this section of Ephesians is all aimed at. It's my hope that it has that effect on each and every one of us. That as we go through these things over the next couple of weeks, that you're going to be able to see these different blessings. And you're going to go, you mean God really loves me that much? Or God has promised that to me? and It'll completely change how you walk through this world. It'll change how you sleep at night. It'll change what you wrestle with. It'll bring freedom into your life and joy in your life. And you will begin to say, oh, this is the life more abundantly that God's provided for me. This is where I want to live. And all of a sudden what's going to start happening is the people around you are going to go, he's getting weird. He used to run around and do this with us and he still likes to have fun. But you know what? This isn't that important anymore. Now he's just like, when I'm on vacation, I think it's interesting, I'm on vacation, I'm sitting and I'm reading my Bible and enjoying the goodness of God and saying, yeah, there's a beautiful lake and there's eagles and I got time for that. But I just want to be with Jesus. And people go, hmm, get a little... uh, little out there right now and you're going, no, I'm finally beginning to understand what real blessing is all about. Friends, that's what the Apostle Paul is going to be trying to explain in this gigantic run-on sentence that we're going to look at over the next couple of weeks. I want to learn that. Don't you? Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I want us to pray together this morning. I want to pray a prayer Asking God to help us as we climb these heights of Ephesians to begin to have our minds opened up. A spirit in Revelation, I mean in, in Ephesians in the next little while, just a few, uh, few paragraphs away, Paul's going to talk about the fact that he wants a spirit of wisdom and revelation to be given to the church. My prayer is that God would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and we'd go beyond, we'd stop settling stop short. We'd stop just saying that the blessings of God are tied to what everybody else in the world could get if they just work hard enough and get the right education and live in the right place, have to be born into the right family and the right culture. Those things are fine. I'm all for it. I'm all for hard work and good stuff and, and having nice things. That's fine. None of that is satisfying. Spiritual blessings have to in life. My prayer is that we as a church would experience more and rise up. Experience this. So Father, I would ask today, with incredible sense of humility, knowing God, that our minds literally have to be opened up by you, that we we honestly need a spirit of wisdom and revelation to breathe your truth into us to open up our eyes to help old thinking fall away thinking that could could hinder us from moving upward that God you would, you would literally reveal narratives that we believe that are that are inhibiting that don't really line up with what you've taught us in your word That God, you'd replace those with with narratives, with teachings and stories from your word that would show us the greatness of what it really means to be in Christ. That God, we would just be filled up with this incredible reality of your presence and your truth. And that God, in a very positive sense, what would happen is that people around us would begin to say, you're changing different about you. You don't seem to care as much about some of the stuff you used to, but you seem so much more fulfilled, so much happier, so much more full of joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Father, that's our prayer. That you would help us begin to understand, see and understand and experience spiritual blessings in the heavenly places that come to us because we're in Christ. Transform us and change us in a way that only you can. Father, I would ask that for every one of us God, if if any person would say, you know what? I've been kind of just playing this Christian game, religious game. I've not really come to know Jesus. But right now, God, begin to open up their understanding. Because your word says no one comes to the Son unless the Father draws him. And you lead up by your Spirit. You begin to literally open up their mind and their heart to this One incredible truth that you love them just the way they are. They don't need to change, they don't need to get better. You love us just the way we are. And you want us simply to respond to your call. That you're calling each and every one of us into your kingdom, to be part of your family. To have the old junk washed away, and you want to make us brand new on the inside. You want to breathe life by your spirit into us. And that, Father, any person who has not experienced that, that right now, they would just begin in their heart to say, Jesus, I I need you. I want to turn away from the old life. I want to begin to walk. God for anyone that would do that. Breathe your spirit. Help them experience new life. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Pray, God, that you would help us this very week to begin to understand these spiritual blessings and everything. May God we be enriched because of you. Thank you, God, for your church family. may the blessings of your spirit now rest upon each and every one of us. In Jesus' name.